During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, June 22nd, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing, Adelia Jr. Joining me is twitch.tv slash fm3 underscore Fran Verbella the third. My name's gotten even longer. It's all my official legal name now, Blessing. Dude, it's, it's great to have I feel like this is the first time we've hosted together on KFGD. I think it actually is. So I'm excited. It's funny. We've definitely been on Gamescast before in the past, but I don't remember yes. doing this yet. So excited. Yeah, man. How you been? It's been a while. Been good. You know, it's I think the usual 2020 response, you know, we're all doing yeah. as well as we can do. Surviving. Another crazy weekend, another beginning to a crazy week. But, uh, you know, there's still um, super awesome and interesting game news out there. So I'm always happy to be on the show. How are you? How are you passing your time nowadays? It's just a lot of a lot of video games, a lot of streaming. Yeah, a lot of streaming, a lot of video games, and um, and still some cooking in there. But I have to say, it varies. Oh, which cooking? You know, I've I've tried to been trying to perfect my curry recipe, my vindaloo oh. recipe. So I've been working on that, and then um, I always make pasta sauce somewhere in Damn. there because they it's not you know I'm a bachelor, and so it's nice to just like do all that ahead of time, and then I have a few mm -hmm. days of food ready to go so other than yeah. that though yeah eating yeah. in video games maybe not the best you know lineup. i mean honestly same <laughs> i mean i'm not cooking but i'm doing a lot, a lot of post mating and a, and a lot of uh, playing last list and other video games which we'll oh, talk yeah. about actually on this episode because today's stories include rocksteady working on suicide squad spongebob reviews and a whole lot more because this is kind of funny games daily each and every week at 10 a.m live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about if you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games daily. To be a part of the show, head to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where bronze members or above get to write in, and silver members or above get the show ad-free with the exclusive daily post show. Housekeeping. It's been a super busy morning. I've been awake since 6 a.m., Barrett. By the way, Barrett's running the show, not Kevin. Barrett's back, yeah. Yo, what up? This is a, this is a very Barrett episode, and so Barrett's awesome to have you here because we're talking about some Barrett-ass things. I'm excited but I've been to up talk about some Barrett-ass things, you know what I'm saying? For sure, man. I've been up since 6 a.m. because this morning we woke up, we did we did a Smash presentation reaction, which, which we'll talk about in a second. We, we did a, uh, a reaction to Crash 4. I wasn't part of that, but, you know, that was the thing that happened. There was a day of the dev stream. There's a whole bunch of things happening, but let, yeah, let's go through them. So we had a, a few live reactions that are now available on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Uh, Tim and I, of course, reacted to the Smash presentation featuring a new ARMS character. Uh, Tim... Barrett and IGN's Jonathan Dornbush reacted to that new trailer for Crash 4. Uh, Greg and Andy reacted to today's Day of the Dev stream. And Barrett's first impressions of SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom just went live. And that's all either already or soon hitting youtube.com slash kinda funny games. We're also reacting live tomorrow morning because it's a crazy week. Uh, tomorrow morning, we're reacting live to a summer game fest stream. That's at 8 a.m. And that's with Greg, Tim, and me. So tune in for that. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producers, Mom and Muhammad, Connor Nolan, and Blackjack. Today, we're brought to you by Purple Mattress. But I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. We have six stories today. Of Baker's. Dozen, dozen, and it's a dozen. it's a jam packed six stories. Let's start with our number one, and again, it's a Barrett ass Newsday, so strap in. Number one, <laughs> Rocksteady is apparently making a Suicide Squad uh, game. Uh, Tom Phillips at Eurogamer, uh, and don't worry, it doesn't stop there. It gets more, it gets more juicy. 
A list of leaked domain names has set, has set internet tongues wagging that Rocksteady, developer of Batman Arkham Asylum, is working on a game centered on DC Suicide Squad. The domain names popped up yesterday on Reset Era, where fans noted they were, they were registered by a company connected to Warner Brothers. Eurogamer understands this to be accurate. I've heard that one particular phrase registered as a domain, Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League.com, is a contender for the game's final title, Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League. And a good summation of what you can expect Rocksteady's next big game to be about. Other, do other domains registered include SuicideSquadGame.com and GothamKnightsGame.com. Gotham Knights refers to the unannounced Batman game currently in development at Batman Arkham Origins Studio, Warner Brothers Montreal. Both projects are set to be teased at Warner Brothers' upcoming DC Fandom event in August, your gamer understands. Now, Barrett Courtney, how does it feel to owe me a shot? Because I got that very right. The August release date. You or predicted not release date. All this? I, I predicted specifically the, the, the August announcement of whatever Warner Brothers Montreal is working on. Barrett, are you ashamed? I think it's kind of bullshit that I, I don't know. I just think it's bullshit. You just don't like it. I, I just don't like it. I'm not a fan. I, Which part? I don't, Did I don't, Barrett have a prediction? Because here's the thing. We don't even know if it's actually going to come in August. Like, yeah, there's DC you fandom. Yeah. Hey, dude. That's true. Been, it's not a fact yet. There have been other events. I mean, it's not that, a fact yet, but like. It's the, it's happening. It's there, happening. There have been other events that have made way more sense for these games to be revealed, and they have not happened. So just because DC fandom is happening doesn't mean these announcements are legit happening at this event. But in, Who the fuck knows? Barrett, Barrett, in their press release, they said WB game announcements in the in the press release and for Je DC fandom. And Jeff Keighley said uh, there's going to be WB for his summer game fest. And have we seen shit from WB yet? Who No. We haven't, so maybe you, maybe we get shit this month from them. Who knows? Are you I'm are you saying, willing to increase the bet? Do we just <laughs> what what was the original bet? Was it a shot? I think it was a shot. I think I get a shot from both you and Greg, and so I, I'm I'm. Are you down to increase it to two shots from Barrett? So wait, who's doing the shot? Oh wait, yes. <laughs> I'm so I'm doing the shot. Greg and Barrett get me the shots. But also okay. that doesn't make sense because I feel like you don't buy shots. You don't buy shots. And so I, I, yeah. I need some sort of loss factor from Barrett. Barrett, I mean, what you... are you giving up here? Uh, my firstborn child? I don't know. Oh, God, no. <laughs> it's it's probably not the first time he said that. I wouldn't trust this guy. Frank, what's your, what's your take on all this? Uh, you know, as much as I uh, love the, the Rocksteady Batman games and all that, and I've been following and waiting to hear the announcement, I'm, I'm like, I've kind of lost hope. But also, I'm a little confused now, and you could help mm -hmm. me out. So is this – so we think this is what they're doing instead of, like, just another straight-up Batman game. Is that where we're at with this? From, from Rocksteady, yes. And that's, yeah. that's always kind of been the conversation. I think Rocksteady, after Arkham Knight, you know, it, it, it seemed that they wanted to lean back off of doing Batman games. Right. Um, and it seemed that and WB Montreal were the ones that were taking up the, the mantle of Batman. Yeah, and that was the rumor a while back, which still also has not been confirmed. Yeah, and, and that's not like – that's that's been Maybe like the, that's been part of like kind of the rumor mill for a while is that they were not doing anything Batman they were doing something else. Um, I know there was like a rumored Superman game at one point uh, and stuff yeah. like that uh, that they might have been working on. Um, and then I, I have been hearing things about Suicide Squad. Uh, I think for like the last couple of weeks. So this like doesn't super surprise me. Um, yeah. it actually kind of excites me uh, just in the aspect of like. I, I was less excited at the idea of them working on a Superman game, and I know Greg is going to try to find me and kill me right now for saying that, mm -hmm. uh, but just because I don't know if there's really a way to make an interesting and good-feeling Superman game, but the idea oh, wow. of um, making a video game that's centered around uh, like very talented mercenaries who are out to kill very powerful superheroes like Superman and stuff, I think that's a really cool setup for possibly... like. Uh, a lot of interesting fights uh, throughout that game. So, and and yeah. that's and that's the thing is like, while yes, I will miss the Rocksteady uh, era of Batman games. I totally respect like if they've wanted to move on from uh, from Batman for a while. Uh, and so, I'm I'm totally down to see what uh, what the Suicide Squad game is all about. Honestly, yeah. Here's here's what I think is the important question. Then is so if Montreal. You know, uh, Warner Bros. Montreal is working on 
in the spirit of the Arkham games, probably taking that same type of gameplay to heart, right? Probably trying to just yeah. do their best job with that type of game. Then what type of game would that make this? You know, is it just going to be these characters, this story in the same type of gameplay? Because that doesn't add up for me. Wouldn't, wouldn't it need no. to be a bit? Are they going to take right the, the Marvel route? Are they going to go do something crazy like that? I mean, I think that is like the Marvel's Avengers route might actually be what this lines up with, because I I believe there have been rumors in the past also pertaining to what Rocksteady is working on that it is. Actually, I think this was Jason Schreier that was actually talking about. I think it, like, I heard last something year. like this a long time ago is why I asked. Yeah, he was talking about it was like a like a co-op kind of game or like a, yeah. a a multiplayer game in some sense. And so, yep, it could be like Marvel's Avengers that's about to come out, but with Suicide Squad, which sounds. Like a very strange game coming from Rocksteady. I personally don't know how I feel about that. Like, I think Suicide Squad sounds cool, but a Rocksteady developed co-op Suicide Squad game doesn't necessarily sound like what I want from that studio. Yep. Yeah, it was actually, I'll tell you, it's a long time ago now, and I might even be mixing some of this up, but I remember hearing about this kind of under the breath of, it wasn't even, this was like back when I was working at IGN, but this is a long time ago. But that, it was supposed to be a bit Destiny-esque or whatever. And then, like, the Marvel yeah. stuff happened with Crystal Dynamics. I was like, wait, I thought that was Rocksteady that was doing this. And I got all confused. And then, so now I'm wondering, like, is it, whatever, is it still um, something in that vein? I mean, it was a very long time ago. And projects change and move around and all that stuff. But um, I'm excited. Rocksteady's a really good developer. So, you know, whatever they do, we, we I can't wait to see it. Yeah, about- and reportedly... What about uh, this? Uh, what, what about this WB Montreal game though? What's, what, what's going on here, Bless? What are your thoughts? I mean, it's, I don't really have. Well, I I want to ask you what your thoughts are because uh, Gotham Knights is what they're calling it, right? And this is that's of course coming off of the, the Court of Owls teases that that Barrett's, Barrett has been gobbling up and, and has been anticipating. What does a Gotham Knights game do for you, Barrett? Uh, I was talking a little bit uh, about this uh, yesterday while I was streaming because I think the uh, domain names uh, went up yesterday. And it's one of those things where I don't think it – I like the name because it, it gets away from the Arkham uh, kind of title uh, convention that they, they, they've they had for a, a while. And it has been said that WB Montreal is looking to make this kind of like a soft reboot of the Batman video game franchise. Um, so I like that they're straying from the Arkham title. But it's also kind of weird because uh, the last Batman Arkham game was Arkham Knight. So it's like – it's like a weird like okay you got away hear, from hear Arkham, me out though but hear like, me out though what Go- gotham knights the sequel to gotham knights gotham city the sequel uh. to gotham city <laughs> gotham asylum <laughs> they just go in the uh the yeah, exact opposite reverse. order um I, I also think it's interesting because the feeling i get from gotham knights is not particularly batman but more bat family and i feel like that's something else that we have like heard like rumors on and people have speculated over of like being able to play as the bat family um so it's a lot of interesting questions of like who will get to play like who is going to be considered a a gotham knight right um yeah, I don't know. There's still a lot of questions because, again, this, this uh, is looking to be a, a soft uh, reboot of the, the Batman uh, video game franchise. And so mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited to see what WB Montreal uh, has. Like I've said before and uh, like uh, very smart people like Roger Picorni have said before, like the Arkham origin story is one of the best stories in the Arkham uh, universe. And, uh, like, while the, the game and, like, the open world design wasn't completely there, like, uh, WB Montreal was still, like, doing some really interesting stuff in that game. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what they've got going on, um, uh, especially story-wise, because I think they told a really great story in Arkham Origins. So I can I, – I, I trust them to do something cool. And, uh, of course, uh, with the rumors of, uh, of uh, Scott Snyder um, helping them out with uh, Story, um, who is the uh, – creator of the the court of owls and stuff like that sounds really really exciting we'll have to wait and see probably at dc fandom i don't know why barry doesn't believe it but trust me it's gonna happen again there have been other events that have made more sense but you're a gamer understands though you're a gamer understands the end of their article by saying we understand this is happening okay why how you're a gamer wouldn't steer us wrong sure european (laughs) (laughs) story number two speaking uh go for it fran Sorry, no, I was just joking. I said, yep, yeah, print that quote that you just said. 
Uh, speaking of Barrett news, story number two, uh, we have SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom rehydrated reviews. Uh, or rehydrated reviews. Uh, we have a roundup for you. Uh, Jonathan Dornbush at IGN gave it a 5 out of 10 and says, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom rehydrated makes an argument that if you're going to remake something beloved, it's not worth taking any half measures. Rehydrate, rehydrated's visit of the, of the iconic SpongeBob platformer often does just that. Rather than addressing any of the real issues with Battle for Bikini Bottom, that could have been tweaked without ruining the spirit of the original. It leaves history intact at the cost of making this a better game, and its problems have only become more noticeable with age and increased competition. There are bright spots that remain fun almost two decades later, and there are pops of ingenuity in its reworking, but it does little to stand alongside the best or, e or even the pretty good platformer remakes and remasters we've seen this generation. Uh, Funke Joseph at GameSpot gave it a 2 out of 10 and says, if you, find, if, you, if, if you find you still have fond feelings about the original SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom, you should watch a speedrun of it or find, find, your old, find your old copy and dust off that PS2. This one isn't it. Remasters, ports, and remakes are nice because they make games feel more accessible to new audiences, and the ones that excel understand that some features from the game's era are antiquated and should be updated or removed. SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom rehydrated flops like a fish out of water when it comes to this. Okay. It's a game so focused on emulating and embellishing the original that it doesn't know the parts of itself that are fun and the parts that aren't. And then the last one I'm going to pull uh, is from Mitch Vogel at Nintendo Life. Uh, they gave it a 7 out of 10, and they write, Considering the long-reaching cultural impact that, SpongeBob, that, that the SpongeBob cartoon has had on modern pop culture, it's nice to see that the franchise got at least one solid video game that, that properly, properly represents the unique draw of SpongeBob and his friends. Though Battle for Bikini Bottom doesn't bring anything new to the table as a 3D platformer, its strong level design, lighthearted tone, and gorgeous remastered visuals make this, make this one an easy recommendation. That being said, rampant <laughs> technical issues hold the game back from true greatness, which is a real shame given the quality in nearly every other area. As a result, this certainly isn't the game to unseat Super Mario Odyssey, but those of you that love a good collectathon 3D platformer will find plenty to love here. Barrett, both me and you have been playing uh, SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. Where are you at with it? Blessing, Do you feel I, like these reviews I, are on blessing, point? blessing. I actually want to hear your take first. I'm interested to hear because I don't know if you played the game when it, when it was originally out. So I, I'm actually really interested to hear your take. So I didn't play the game when it was originally out. Um, and jumping into jumping into this game for the first time, my immediate impressions I got were, oh man, this is a PS2 game, and it it's a PS2 games in the way that, despite them remastering it. It, it still feels, moves, and in a lot of ways even sounds like a PS2 game, which comes with, like, which, which comes with mixed things. Because, because for me, coming, coming new into it, and being someone who actually like, really loved the PS2, like PS2 was the console at like, my, uh, I guess, coming of age with gaming, I, I, I guess is the way to put it. And so like, playing it, you know, I feel love. like... I didn't have a GameCube. No, oh, I, had, I, had, I had a PS2. I had a next I mean, it was on right, GameCube as well. But, just feel it was like, on GameCube as well. You know, let's not forget. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, playing it, it's, it's been one of those things where I'm like, all right, I can forgive so much here because I do understand the era that this game's from. I understand that maybe maybe with this type of uh, remake they're doing, they don't want to touch, like, they don't want to touch what's going on mechanically. don't want to change too much. And I can respect that because as somebody who played the Shadow Colossus remake, that game kind of did a similar thing where they... They remastered all of the visuals. They tweaked things here and here and there, but ultimately, that Shadow of Colossus remake remains untouched, and that comes for better and worse. Because for people like me that love that PS2 game, I like that. I I didn't want them to touch Shadow of Colossus, but I've talked to friends that were like, "Oh man, this game kind of feels weird in the controls here and there," and it's one of those things where you're just gonna have that disconnect. For me, playing this game, you know, they 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 leave it untouched in terms of. Uh, what the game design is and all that stuff, which means that it feels dated as you're playing. But also, technically, there's just a lot there that feels wrong. Like it is, it there there are loading screens all over the place, and the loading screens are long. There are loading screens in places where it doesn't make sense. Like I'll jump on a, on the wrong like texture or something, and then I'll get a loading screen that will then load me back to like a, a um, an appropriate spot on the map. And it's like I don't know if that necessarily need, needed a loading screen. It would have been nice if if uh, they figured out a way technically to make it either an immediate respawn upon like jumping uh, out of world or or, or uh, landing in a place that I'm not supposed to be in the game, 
or like I don't know, make it some find a way to make the game feel more more free. Um, and so that's the thing I've been noticing. But then also like just just technically overall, it just doesn't. It it seems like kind of a mess. I don't think it's a two out of ten, uh, but I kind of I kind of align with the five out of ten that Jonathan Dornbush gave it. Like I think that sounds about right. Like it it's it it's not a step forward in any way aside from the upgraded visuals. But you know it's not it's also not like offensively bad. That, where, where you at, Barry? Bad. All right. So, of course, you can watch my first impressions up on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games right now, uh, where I play through one of the early levels, uh, Goolagoon, and uh, kind of talk about my early takes. And I haven't actually played uh, much. Like, I, fr- I played, like, the first three levels uh, and, like, the first, like, major, major boss. And then um, I'm actually going to restart uh, my playthrough and uh, play through the entire thing on stream um, the, uh, this week. So, um my my takeaways is like I don't disagree with what anybody is really saying. I think it's a little harsh with one of the reviews saying like this ain't it. Uh, like dust off your old copy because like uh, for me this is the exact same game I remember for better and for worse. So it's like even if you dust off your original copy, like it's it's gonna be just as weird with like the things that you've been saying with uh with uh like loading screens loading. which are ridiculously long for a game that I don't think should They're very long. It, it's uh, like egregious. Um and yeah, like there's a lot of like weird uh like um um physics stuff that happens like when you're on like a like a kind of like a weird like um seesaw type of bridge um that like affects oh, yeah. uh that will affect uh, physics in a very very weird way and it's just like it, and that's the unfortunate thing is like yeah, I remember having these same issues back when I was uh, loving and playing these games uh, back in, uh, in 2003, 2004, whatever. Um, so, like, I, I'd i probably, like, uh, out of the three reviews that you'd re- uh, you've read, I'd probably align with, like, uh, Dornbush's score the most. Um, I'd, like, the thing that still makes me like it, though, is because I, I played it originally, I have a bunch of nostalgia for it, so I do have... Um, I do have, like... Uh, a lot of love for it still, even though I do see like all of the um, kind of threads coming apart uh, while playing it, uh, and and to me it still has like a, a certain amount of charm. I think like everything is beautifully animated, um, like uh, just it's got it's got a certain amount of life in there that uh, yeah. as someone who's, has, a, ha- who's a fan of I SpongeBob, think- like I, I I really fucking love it. Yes, and it, ha- it it still has that SpongeBob charm to it, and I think that's the thing that kind of kept me coming back is. Hearing hearing the 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 characters talk, uh, you know, hearing like the voice acting and being like, oh yeah, that's SpongeBob, except for Mr. Krabs, which is definitely not Mr. Krabs from yeah, the show. Yeah, it's it's, it's really, uh, and, but it's weird because I I don't remember if it was actually Mr. Krabs in the original game either. Um, I haven't gone back to like uh, watch like a, a video of the original game, but I I should because yeah, that is definitely <laughs> not Clancy Brown, and it's very off putting. <laughs> Yeah, it was very off-putting because I was he was he was talking like Mr. Krabs, but I was like that is not Mr. Krabs. Um, but like even like a lot of the a lot of the humor, a lot of the jokes, a lot a lot of the stuff does uh, or did land for me, and I'm actually compelled to play more. Like I've only played a few hours of it. Like I'm not that far into it. And I kind of want to play more because I like SpongeBob, but I will say that the technical issues are kind of holding me back. Like there there's a bunch of stuff that I haven't even mentioned as far as like and. A lot of it is so minor is, is, is the crazy thing, too, because, like, there's stuff like text, you know, when you're talking to a character oh and you're, God, you're, yeah. you're having dialogue and, and they're talking. And it's one of those things where they'll have voiceover that covers, like, multiple text boxes. But, like, the text it, box doesn't thing. follow, like, their cadence yes. of speaking. You have to press X every time, like, a certain amount of text is over for the text to continue. And that is something from the original game. And it's little things like that. It's like, y'all didn't think to update this to a modern era setting in 2020? Yeah. Like, there's part uh, I was playing in Jellyfish Fields where I got late into the level. And I, I and because of the way Jellyfish Fields, uh, Fields is designed, right? Like, it's a also, vertical Also, Fran, level. I see you're fresh in the fucking chat, okay? Speak up about SpongeBob <laughs> if you want to fucking talk. All right, I'm not. This Say is not on me. Brand. Andy, Andy came into chat because he realized like I don't have much to add to this. To be fair, and I don't. You guys are the pros on this one. I do. I I was laughing a little bit though and talking to chat because I legit was just remembering. I didn't tell them this, but I freaking previewed this game. Did uh, you really? The original, and I remember talking to like you know the, the president of uh, Heavy Iron or whatever it was at the time at like i think a thq preview event and i love spongebob um 
but yeah, anyway, it, it's uh, my the only short thing I have to add is it's too bad it's getting some negative reviews. I did, uh, I was super excited when they brought out, you know, obviously a SpongeBob game of this this mm-hmm. caliber, let's say, at the time. And um, if they botched it up, that's too bad, but I, I haven't yeah, touched it, it so I, I really wouldn't know. The last, but yeah, like. Sorry, go it ahead. doesn't oh. look like a two. I can. I was watching footage. Yeah, it, it looks look good, like and, and, and it like it has that charm. But I think past that, it kind of like for me as somebody who loves collectathon 3D platformers, it. I I, I think it, it loses so much in terms of the way it's designed. Because what I was gonna say is like I got to the top of Jellyfish Fields and I fell, and it was one of those things where I di- it didn't like game over me or or anything. I just landed mm. back toward the beginning of the level, which means that like oh snap, I have to do this long ass level again. And it was one of those things where it's like. That's that's very archaic when it when it yeah. comes to level design in that way. I, I guess I can understand that front where if it's literally like rehydrated two thousand three game, you know that stuff just doesn't hold up. It's it literally is seventeen years ago, and back then, a lot of it was about the just the honestly I really do believe some a lot of it was about the quality of the graphics and what you could do at that time, and like it wasn't as nearly as much as what we're doing today. So. Um, Anyway, might might be best yeah. for kids, as adults. My last thought is that if, honestly, as if you know me and my love for, admittedly, trash collectathons that go over the top with collectathons like Donkey Kong sixty four, oh which is uh, which is definitely a way better game than this. But if you need yes. that itch, if you need that itch like scratched, I think this is. A, a good enough game that you can play through a weekend and just never think about it again. I can see that. I can do see you that. want to do that though? Are you recommending that people do that? Just because it's SpongeBob? Is that what I'm hearing? If you got that, if you got that itch, yeah, I think if you got if that, if you itch, have that itch, and if you like I, SpongeBob, I, I, I say it's still worth checking out. Yeah, Story I'm just saying the number... way you said it. Oh well, it's fine. Story number three, Nintendo (laughs) is slowing down on mobile games. This is Andy Robinson at VGC who writes, Nintendo president Shuntaro Furukawa is said to have told Japanese media last month that the company was, quote, not necessarily looking to continue releasing many new applications for the mobile market, end quote. According to Bloomberg, Nintendo is disappointed by the revenue uh, revenues it's achieved so far from titles such as Mario Kart Tour and Fire Emblem Heroes. In addition, the company is said to be unsatisfied by the limitations of the mobile platform from a game design perspective. Quote, the company believes its franchises shine brightest when coupled with, with design by Nintendo controllers, and it's never been fully com- comfortable with the touchscreen-only interface of a phone, uh, Bloomberg, Bloomberg reports. Bloomberg claims Nintendo has asked its mobile, mobile development partners not to force players to spend a lot, a lot in games, fearing it could harm its games' brands. So far, over half of Nintendo's mobile revenue has reportedly come from Fire Emblem with the title's gotcha monetization uh, model proving fruitful, according to Sensor Tower data uh, with an average revenue per download of $41. The next two highest grossing Nintendo titles as of January 2020 are Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, which accounted for 12% of all user spending, followed by Dragalia Lost at 11%. Nintendo's Mario titles have seen huge download numbers, but have fared worse in terms of mobile spend, according to Sensor Tower, with Mario Kart Tour and Super Mario Run contributing overall revenue shares of 8 and 7%, and Dr. Mario World with less than 1%. So far, over, over half of Nintendo's mobile revenue has reportedly come from Fire Emblem, with the title's gotcha monetization model proving fruitful, according to Sensor Tower data, with an average revenue per, per download of $41. Uh, yeah, it looks like actually, it looks like this report, this article repeats itself, and so yep. yeah, uh, Fran, mm-hmm. have, were the Nintendo mobile titles ever like your thing? Did those ever like, no, you? no, but uh, what I will say is, I mean, first of all, I think we need to hear a little bit more on Nintendo's like official plans because I have seen them in the past, you'd hear things like this and. So meaning the story suddenly becomes Nintendo's getting out of the mobile market, right? And then that'll be the story. But I, I don't think we're hearing that necessarily. That being said, this also doesn't surprise me, is that Nintendo has been pretty, I'd say, fearful, I feel like, of the mobile market. The biggest thing that I've seen is, like, they have these monster franchises. I, With someone of their resources, it should not be hard for them to make money at all on the mobile games market. But obviously, the way that people do that, they're not totally comfortable with Um the and I almost feel like they haven't like 
research it enough either, though. You know, I know that comes off mm-hmm. wrong. Like they they make the games. They obviously have a lot of people researching this, but meaning I think they're a little fearful of how mobile games are done. Uh, they even you know point out the control limitation stuff here, but. It may not be their bag, but what I will say is in the long run, it would surprise me if they didn't definitely dive back into the mobile market because it's monstrous. And just because, like, if, if if this truly is because Animal Crossing is, like, a huge hit, like, okay, that is very circumstantial. You know, you've got your next 10 years to worry about. So I, I'd be surprised if we don't see Nintendo to continue to prod at the mobile market. Um, they just need to get over this hump of how are they going to make money, you know, because premium games are – Right, more how they make money. Animal Crossing yeah. is a premium sixty-hour game, right? And I think that's exactly where the conflict is with Nintendo. Like reading the reading through the story and and seeing how Nintendo operates as a company and seeing how they've operated in this mobile space, they very much strike me as like the like the old school classic rapper who like refuses to use Auto Tune because they, they even though they know the Auto Tune is going to make their music sell better, they don't want to like compromise their integrity. Nintendo yeah. kind of strikes me as that. Right where you know they 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 have that interest in mobile. They know for a fact that Nintendo was a brand is powerful. They know that that Mario's a hit, Pokemon's a hit, all their franchises, or maybe not all, but so many of their franchises yeah. are hits. And they can print you know, money on there. They, they can they, they can print money on there if they really wanted to. And I think I think for Nintendo, this has just been a huge experiment. Like this has just been a, this this has been a huge mm-hmm. like. All right, let's 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 see what happens. Like let's see how this works because like one, we don't have a reason not to, and then also like if this works. We're gonna have a huge uh, new revenue stream on our hands. We're gonna have a, a huge new uh, new audience to make games for. And so, the thing the, I think the thing about Nintendo is that you know you look at uh, you you look at how they treat their brands. You look at how they treat their games. You look at uh, how they they really like that premium thing, right? Like you look at Switch titles, and they really like not lowering those the prices of their games mm-hmm. because. They don't want you to devalue devalue the games, right? They want their games to yeah. hold hold that same value. I think that translates well to how they they or I, that translates to how they've handled the the mobile market. But I also think that translates to why they're not seeing as much success overall um, in the mobile market, aside from yeah. Fire Emblem, which they've adopted the Gotcha model with. Yeah, yeah, and I think you said it best. Like they are testing, uh, and it very much feels that way. I. You know, actually, on the other side of it, we'll say I have to give them some some respect for being very careful with how you, you know, develop mobile games. They clearly, I think under their breath have made it clear. They think that, you know, games are worth a certain cost. You were pretty much getting at it. And I think they're very nervous to release like full on mobile games that you can play with full controls for, you know, five ninety nine or whatever it's going to be when they go out there on switch and they, they have to release that for 20 or 30 or 40 or whatever they, they put it at. So I think, yeah, they're experimenting to see, yeah, how they can kind of cross cross both those philosophies and take it step by step. But I have to give them some credit for that, which is they have actually the money and the backing to do it. They're not like in trouble or anything. And yeah. if they find whatever their path is, you know, they will find it eventually. I would love to see, you know, more Nintendo mobile games. Like just like I always bring up Pokemon Puzzle League. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Oh, like God. just Pokemon anything Puzzle like that. Yeah, like give me something like that. I you know. I don't even play a ton of mobile games, but when I do play mobile games, I personally play stuff like that. Um, and I feel like, yeah, they have a treasure trove of, of stuff they could do, but they're being very cautious. I played Fire yeah. Emblem, actually. I really liked it. Um, that was a good choice. So I don't know. I want to see them do more stuff like that. I hope this doesn't mean that they're going to spend the next two years you know, relishing their profits while the next-gen consoles come out and then they realize that everybody's complaining because Switch isn't power enough and we go right back to the usual game that we play with Nintendo is why doesn't the next Breath of the Wild run well enough and where's the mobile games? And then we wait two years and it'll be three years from now that it starts coming back around. And anyway, I, See, I hope I, that's not the case. <laughs> I personally would be surprised if they they continue to go big on mobile for the time being. Right, like I can see them... Re- re- I can see them taking a break and maybe returning in like five to ten years but i, I feel oh, like right God. now with so with long. how with how they've operated so far and and what they're seeing on return i don't think they like the i i'm sure they they like the fire emblem gotcha model from the sense that it is very profitable for them and that is their most successful game on mobile but i think they don't want to treat mario that way and they don't want to treat um uh zelda that way or pokemon um or maybe pokemon but in terms mm-hmm. of their beloved cherished franchises that 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 they hold close to the chest right like i i can't see nintendo caving to to trying to 
you know, super monetize it in a way and that's not a pun. Um, but yeah, super monetize <laughs> it in a, in a way that uh, might might jeopardize how people feel about about Mario. Yeah, it's it's also just going to be very stock driven, right? You know, they're going to have the conversation yeah. as soon as the stocks start going down again because that's what investors want to hear. But investors don't care right now because Animal Crossing and uh, the amount it sold is just insane. But it was, uh, some of that was circumstantial to uh, you know the it just blew up because of what's going on in the world. Not that Animal Crossing isn't great, but you know I I don't think that Animal Crossing would have blown up like it did if we didn't have. You know, famous movie stars and everybody just trapped inside. Everybody, yeah. You know, when it happened. And it was the perfect game and it hit the perfect time. Nintendo's actually great at that right place, right time, um, like with the Wii as well. But um, but yeah, anyway, I, I do think it'll be sooner than than later. Like, let's say they are backing off for now. As soon as their stocks start to come down again, they're going to have to tell investors, wait, wait, wait. We don't know. We're working on mobile and here's why. So here's mark whatever problem. that Future Games Daily is, Barrett or Blessing, if you're around and I'm not – Tell him that I said it was coming. Whenever that's going to be. Man. Why wouldn't you be around, Fran? Fran, what are you not telling? No, us? I'm not here every day. Is all worried, I'm actually. saying. Fran, what do you have to tell Jeez, us? This is not like Fran, dark and grim, man. Are you good, bro? I just meant I'm not here every day. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Yep. Story number four: uh, A former Microsoft employee accuses Mixer manager of racist comments. This is Matthew Handrahan at GamesIndustry.biz. A former Microsoft employee left the company following its alleged failure to address racism within the management of its Mixer streaming service. Milan Lee, who worked at Microsoft for two years starting in 2017, described his experience on the Mixer team as, quote, the worst I've ever had professionally, and it's all due to racism, end quote. In a Twitter blog post, Lee said he, he was initially beyond happy to move to Seattle and join the Mixer team due to a long-standing desire to work in the games industry. However, he was one of the few black people on the team and suspected that he was, quote, only hired to meet a, a diversity goal because I was black, end quote. The main example Lee cited was a meeting in which his manager used slavery as an analogy to explain Mixer's relationship with his partners. In a subsequent meeting, Lee voiced his objection to the analogy to, uh, to his manager, but his complaint was allegedly disregarded and he was told to work to quote, work on himself, end quote. Quote, if I wanted to go far in this industry, I need to work on my emotions. I'm, I, I need to work on my emotions and feelings to similar comments, uh, Lee recalled. After this, after this meeting, I knew I was leaving, end quote. Lee has also alleged that his skip level manager didn't report the complaint to human resources and he, re he resigned shortly, shortly after. A subsequent investigation by the Microsoft HR, HR team found the manager uh, to be not guilty of the charge. Lee added, quote, the reason my manager was not penalized and the reason she still, can't, she still has her job today is because she cannot be racist. The reason she cannot be racist is because she hired a black person, end quote. Mixer responded to Lee uh, on Twitter with the following statement. Our goal is to build a positive, welcoming, and inclusive team and community. To those sharing your stories, it's, it's unacceptable that we did not provide that for you. We'll be vigilant in addressing this more diligently in the future. Phil Spencer, who oversees Microsoft's gaming activities, including Mixer, reached out to Lee on Twitter to ask if he would agree to a meeting. Quote, racism will not be tolerated on our teams or on our services, end quote, Spencer said. Lee has now confirmed that he will meet with Spencer today to discuss his experience in more detail. Um, and let me tell you, I, I went and I actually read uh, what Milan Lee posted on Twitter because this is a thing that yeah, I saw blew up over too. the weekend. This is a thing that was making the rounds. Uh, and his actual, his actual uh, um, report that he wrote out I think it's way more even damning than what the what they say in the games biz article. Like he goes into actual details of like, no, yeah, like this is what this is what yeah they the said, steps right? that he took and yeah all yeah of that. like there's the steps that 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 um that I took. This is the exact quote uh from my from my manager, which was not a it's not a good quote at all. Let me tell you, let me tell you, it's not the kind of thing you want to hear as an employee um at Mixer. Um, and then he also talked about how um uh. He says here, actually, I'm looking at it right now. He says, while at a conference, I was pulled aside and told that the only reason I was hired is because I'm street smart. And yeah. uh, the he continues to say, the first thing that popped into my head at the time was affirmative action. I believed I was only hired to meet a diversity goal because I was black. Anyway, I decided to brush it off and let it go. And then he continues to talk about how, yeah, after that, um, you know, that's when those meetings happened. That's when he, he started to experience more and more stuff. And, and it's all disheartening to see. Like, it's, 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 all, it's all pretty shitty from the side of uh, management there, right? Like, the fact that he took the right steps, the fact that those right steps weren't, weren't enough. Um, and the fact that, like, all in all, right, as a black employee, 
he came to his manager, confronted his manager about a thing that, from what I'm reading here, from the ex- from the exact words the manager said here, I would agree, like is a is is not a great thing to say, right? Is a shitty thing to say, right? Confronts it and then is is hit back with uh, from his manager and from people higher ups on the team, right? Saying that actually no, like this is okay, like we googled this, uh, it seems like this is an okay thing to say. Um, I don't know, it's it's unfortunate and it's it's actually very frustrating to see. Yeah, I, I I don't know, man. It's like I can't believe this year. Period. So this this was actually very believable. Of course, I read it, and of course, this happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it's but like reading that quote, it it's it still blows my mind. Why would you? Why would you ever equate anything you're doing to that? Like I control them. I'm their slave yeah. master. I own them. What the f? So for starters, you said that, but then the, this other stuff with. I don't know who said the street mart thing, if it was the manager or not, but just not a good environment. It seems like um, uh, Lee, right, handled it really professionally. Handled the best way they could. Yeah. It was super, like, even-handed about it. I said, all right, I talked to him. I wanted to get clarity. Didn't even need clarity for stars. And yeah. then tries to go to the skip level manager, right? And and yeah. the fact and that it never made know, it. Right? Like, skip level manager would be the manager, manager that is above your manager. Yeah. Yeah, go to somebody else. I mean, uh, the fact that it never made it to HR is crazy as well. Like telling obviously multiple people, like even if you as manager, you know, I've managed a lot of people in the past, you may know. And it's like, even if you as manager might feel a certain way, you should report this type of stuff immediately. It should have, this, yeah. should, like any, uh, it's so obvious. Or like, like you, should respond hand, with, you should respond with some some type of apology, like at first, right? Like, and, oh, and well. to give you even, even, even more yeah. context. Uh, uh, in in Milan's blog here, right? That he that he that he wrote. He mentions here, and this is the exact quote: "Time goes by, and we're in an internal meeting discussing projects we wanted to execute. My manager decided to give us an analogy. That analogy was, quote, I'm in between a rock and a hard place. What I mean is, all the part all the partners are my slaves. I own their content. I control the success on our platform. For me, I am a slave master. I am the slave master. I own my partners. End quote. That's the manager's quote. And then uh, Milan here continues to talk about how he immediately got angry. Um, and honestly, like at that point, didn't really want to work for Microsoft and Mixer anymore. Um, and then, yeah, from there, from from then, like confronted the manager, you know, went to the skip level manager, you know, tried to make things right, tried to express his feelings and like got essentially shunned and shut down. Yeah. Uh, which, again, disheartening to see. It's fucked <clears> up. It's crazy. Uh, glad that it's coming to light. I mean, a lot of stuff's coming to light, and um, you know, great that Phil reached out, and you know, oh, yeah. obviously, that's always a tough spot when somebody in your company um, is being racist or worse or whatever it is, and like, it's not what the whole company stands for. Uh, I would hope, right? And so, how do how do you course correct that? How do you make good on it? They have a lot of work to do, but good that Phil is at least getting on top of it. And then, you know, yeah. I, I didn't see it in your write up here, but something that's happening as well now is the, you know, community right power and standing up for these types of injustices and stuff. Right, it's happening everywhere. And so, you yeah. have all these people on Mixer that are like, "I'm not streaming anymore. I'm leaving if you guys don't correct this in some way." And so, that's also actually going on right now. I saw a number of folks on Mixer saying they're not going to stream they're not going to support them they might even leave if they don't hear you know a better resolve to this than just oh she can't be racist she hired somebody that's black like what yeah um so but yeah to go further like, than that right like you said like shout out to phil spencer and i think that's a that's the thing to highlight right i think it goes beyond like the original quote because you know people people say insensitive shit people sometimes say ignorant shit and like just don't don't realize it right even even yeah. this quote that i read that would seem like all right that's definitely something you shouldn't say it happens what <laughs> what really matter what really matters is like how you follow that up and you don't follow follow that up by like you know telling your black employee that the racist thing you just said wasn't racist because of because of whatever reason right like the, the 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 way in which you handle these situations, uh, especially like, especially as higher ups at a company, like that changes so much. And I think that's 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 where the conversation lies in terms of all these different things we see in terms of uh, culture and video game companies, right? Like it's been an ongoing conversation about crunch. It's been an ongoing conversation about you know like when we look at Riot and and the stuff that went down there as far as uh, you know mm-hmm. that culture uh, being like very masculine and making a, a lot of their their women employees not feel welcome, right? Like a lot of it comes down to, all right, how do we, how do we as management listen to what's going on? Uh, how do we as man- management um, provide a culture that is healthy for, for everybody? And how do we respond when things go wrong? 
And I think that res- that response is make or break for you. Like if you if you don't respond, um, especially when these things are brought to light, especially when people are taking the correct steps, and especially when people are trying to take things to HR, whose job it whose job it is to like make sure that this shit is dealt with. If that's not done in a way that that is helpful helpful for your employees, then you you result in having bad culture and in, in, in toxic workplaces. And you know that's the thing that's that's the thing that it that is causing so much difficulty and struggle for so many people working in the industry. You know, across crunch, uh, um, you know, with racism, with with sexism, all this different stuff. And so, again, like shout out to Phil Spencer for actually responding and and meeting with uh, Lee one on one to actually talk. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well said. Exactly. You know, like how you respond to it. Like this person didn't have to go on the defense. They could have said, you know what, you're out there. You're right. I don't know what I was thinking and apologize and then say, you know what? We also, yeah, let's go talk to HR. Let's figure this out. I don't want this kind of culture around here. And you know how you respond to it. Like that, that's exactly it. People make mistakes. Um, and to hear you say that it's, that's exactly it. We have this culture problem as well of like, uh, there are ignorant people out there and they don't know they're being ignorant. I think you just said that, right? And mm-hmm. it's like people need this ability and this cognizance to say, hold up, maybe I am, maybe you're right. Give me a second, <laughs> apologize yeah. and, and we like, can move on. This. That doesn't mean, yeah, it doesn't mean that you have to get thrown into the fire and there's no um, there's no recourse. There can be recourse, but it does take not being defensive and so on. So I think that was very well said. Fran, we have uh, two more stories left, and they're quick okay. ones because these, these are things that we've kind of already touched on in content today. Um, but story number five is our quick hits. Uh, Crash Bandicoot 4, uh, It's About Time, has been officially announced as Gabe Gerwin at GameSpot. In the works at Toys for Bob, which also handles Spyro, Spyro Reignited Trilogy, Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, uses the same basic platforming gameplay of their original titles, but with advanced and modern twists such as wall running and grinding rails to make it through tougher areas. The art style has been overhauled for the latest systems, and you'll be able, you'll be able to play as Neo Cortex alongside Crash and Coco. Set at the very end of Crash Bandicoot Warped, the new game sees Neo Cortex, Doctor Entropy, and Uka Uka finally escape from their remote plant and return for another attempt at multiverse domination. Of course, you stand in their way, and you'll have to access uh, you'll have you'll have access to four special quantum masks to, quote, bend the rules of reality, end quote, itself, and make it through the difficult areas. These include the, the time mask, which slows down time, and the gravity mask, which, which lets you platform upside down. Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, has a release date of October 2nd, 2020, and it'll release on PS4, Xbox One. Um, unlike Insane Trilogy, it hasn't been announced for PC or Switch. Boo. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. And yeah, Switch, boo, I do, do want to see it come to Switch. Especially because the same trilogy was on Switch. And then yeah, lastly... The, I was going to say, what was the quick reactions from... Were you on that reaction show or was it just I Tim wasn't. And, it, it was uh, Tim Barrett and Jonathan Dornbush. And I, okay. I watched it and it seems like everybody's very happy about it. Isn't that right, You're Barrett? excited, Barrett? It looks dope as hell. I'm so excited okay. for it. Uh, check out the, that reacts to, to really get some expert perspective, uh, uh, especially from our good old boy, Jonathan Dornbush, who had uh, a lot of uh, great insight on not just uh, Crash and what this uh, – um, what this new entry uh, could all be about, but uh, mm. also just like Toys for Bob in general as developers and all this stuff. It, it, it's a really cool insight uh, that he, <laughs> he brings to the to the video, so definitely check it out. Cool. And then, and then, lastly, uh, story number six: Min Min is coming to Smash Ultimate. Uh, this is Steve Watts at Gamespot. Nintendo held a Smash Brothers Ultimate presentation, all about its next DLC character, Min Min, from the wacky boxing-like uh, game Arms. A debut trailer showed the various Arms characters knocking each other out over a chance to grab the Smash Brothers invite, only to have Min Min step in and grab it for herself. She's coming on June 29th for $5.99, or as part of as part of the second Fighters Pass. Also coming on June 29th will be a new set of Mii Fighter costumes. Those include Ninjara from ARMS, Heihachi from Tekken, uh, Marie and Callie from Splatoon, and Vault Boy from Fallout. And Vault Boy looks amazing. Um, Those will be available for 75 75 cents each. A new Spirits feature will let you replay past matches for a high score, and uh, it'll keep a cumulative total of all your high scores. Going into one of those with lower equipment will give you a better score. Sakurai also showed Amiibo figures uh, for Persona's Joker and Dragon Quest's Luminary Hero, both coming this fall. Fran, does that do anything for you? Smash news? It does. I mean, it's funny. I love Smash. Uh, I haven't been able to keep up with it uh, shamefully, but 
I was never even an arms fan, but I actually think the character looks really cool. I mean, any 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 character with ramen noodle arms, you know, I'm down for. It. But um, so excited to see, man, that Smash has just got so much success and uh, happy about that. But I was also going to point out, yeah, I saw the Vault Boy uh, Me Fighter costume thing, and I think Tim had enlightened me on this or someone. But like, usually when a character comes to the Me Fighter costumes, it probably means we won't see them as like. A character, it's like a playable, character right? yeah. So I was kind of bummed in a way. I was like, "Oh, Vault Boy would be fun." Um, yeah, but that was my but, that was my immediate reaction too. Right when right? I saw Vault Boy, I was like, "Oh snap, that's really cool." I never thought about that. And then I yeah. sat and I was like, "Shoot, man, could have been cool to get Vault Boy as an actual character." But yeah. you know, I'll take what I can get. Either way, Vault Boy is the still next looks version. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fran, I'm about to ask you where I can find games coming out to the Mom Drop shops today. But mm. before I get there, let me tell you about our sponsor. This episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Purple Mattress. Technology has improved just about everything. Phones, cars, shopping, yet mattresses have more or less been the same since the invention of sleep. But we deserve better. And finally, the mattress has evolved thanks to Purple. The secret to Purple is the Purple Grid. It's a patented comfort technology that instantly adapts to your body's natural shape and sleep style. Purple is for every body, no matter how you sleep. Purple is designed with over 2,800 open air channels and naturally, te naturally temperatured uh, neutral gel. You'll never sleep too hot or too cold. The Purple mattress is soft where you want it, firm where you need it, and comfortably cool all over. It's truly a mattress that does it all. Kind of Funny loves Purple mattress. Uh, Tim uses Purple products and says they're amazing. Uh, his Purple pillow never gets warm, and it's super sturdy. You can count on resting easy night after night, year after year, because the ultra-durable Purple grid won't sink or lose shape. Purple is so confident in what they do that every Purple mattress comes with free shipping and returns and a risk-free 100-night trial. Experience the next step of sleep. Go to purple.com games and use promo code games for a limited time. Uh, you'll get $150 off any Purple mattress order of $1,500 or more. Again, that's purple.com games and use the promo code games for $150 off any mattress order over $1,500 or more. Terms apply. Fran, I'm really excited to see who the next Smash Brothers Ultimate DLC character is, but that reveal is just so far away. If I want to know what's coming to Mom and Grab Shops today, where'd I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show host each and every weekday. Out today, we got Azure Striker Gun Vault 2 for PC, Coaster for PS4, Sword and Sandals Spartacus for Switch, G's versus Cthulhu, or Geese, G's versus Cthulhu for PC, Low Poly Forces for PC, Alien Cat 3 for PC, Your Game, The Game of Ancient Gods for PC, Card Blitz WWII, that might be Card Blitz World War II, but I'm not sure, I but Card so. Blitz WWII Probably. for PC. Hylix 2 for PC and Mac, Secret Government for PC and Mac, Run Grandpa Run for PC, uh, and then Armory and Machine 2 is out now, free on iOS and Android. Uh, it's a story-based increment, uh, incremental game where you build up the world's strongest AI. Uh, it's like Final Fantasy or GTA where you don't have to play uh, earlier games to get this one. And then new dates, uh, photo mode is coming summer 2020 to My Hero 1's Justice 2. This is a strange thing to include in new dates. This, I think this is Greg's doing. Um, but yeah, there you go. If you're looking forward to photo mode in My Hero 1's Justice 2, there you go, summer 2020. Man, that's finally going to bring me back to that game uh, after yeah, playing finally. it for a, a solid hour and just never touching it again. That'll be the thing that brings me back. Oh, and then here, here's an exciting one. Solitaire 3D is coming to Steam on July 1st. Dang. Yeah, man. I didn't if even you know Solitaire was in 3D. Play Solitaire in three dimensions on your PC. Boom. There you go. Why not just play it in three dimensions in real life and get a fucking real bag life. of cards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I <laughs> got him. Anytime I anytime anybody's even floated the idea of playing solitaire with actual physical cards, I've worried about them. I'm like, you no, we're not doing this. That's not a that's not a thing people actually do. You play solitaire on a on a PC like an adult or a child in my case, I guess, when I was yeah. a kid. Um now it's time for reader mail, of course you can write into patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Treaty. Uh, where you can get the show ad free. Are we are we looking at gameplay? Or are you looking? Sorry, at I looked at Solitaire 3D. I was like, it doesn't even look that 3D. It's still like Very, on a table. Like, 3D? I don't know how you do. A, it's literally flat cards on a flat table. How do you make a game like that more? Th like, do you need it in 3D? 
Yeah. I've never requested Solitaire in 3D. And also, also, let me say that Solitaire is a game in um, 51 Worldwide Classics, even though it's, it's Spider Solitaire. I don't know if they have regular Solitaire. But even still, mm. Spider Solitaire, better than regular Solitaire. First of all, that's my hot take. I'll give it. Um, oh, dude, Spider Solitaire was like... I'm not sure. Of, I'm not sure what version Splinter of Windows Spider. it was, but like that was like that. Was, that's when you knew you had like the good version of Windows when it had Spider huh. Solitaire in it and like Spider? all the other like random games. Yeah, you're gonna show me. them the. I'm telling you, it's kind of underwhelming. I also look oh. up uh, Run Grandpa Run. That oh. was more interesting. See, so they like they put it on a real table, I guess, right? It's it's not that uh, 3D, I right? Just play Solitaire on your PC. Right, I thought it was gonna be like somebody like dealing and like three D hands and yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just nice. Over I mean, I'm wait, not hating on it. What? Wait, in this in the, in solitaire three D, there are over hundred games. Is that what you're saying? It says right there, over one hundred games so. of what? I can't see your what? screen is very well, small on my it's screen. Very tiny. Right? I'm sorry, I can't full screen it. If I full screen it, it gets all fucked up. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't, it does I don't have say a hundred different full games. setup like Kevin does, but. It, it and I want you to know it has Spider Premier, oh. Pyramid and Klondike, etc. Multiple card decks, a wide range of backgrounds. Well, that's um, actually kind of cool. That's, so a, that's if you like Solitaire as much as Blessing, you might be interested. Well, that's way more than Solitaire, though. That's actually like a really cool thing. That's a huge collection of card games. I might yeah. be into that. It does. I want to warn you. Um, take up 120 megabytes is required. Oh man! So damn. you're gonna need 120, 120 megabytes. 120 whole megabytes. What it like, says? <laughs> damn, son, that's almost the size of Last of Us Part Two. And my you PS4. might want to pop that on your solid state drive. Again, uh, Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny Games is where you can go to get the get the show ad free and writing questions for reader mail, just like Julian, the gluten free gamer. Julian writes in and says, "With the delay of Cyberpunk 2077 to November 19th." We now have Cyberpunk in the Jedi Fallen Order release date, taking it out of contention for the Game Awards event. Do you think Jeff Keighley should make an exception uh, or change change these guidelines? Underst uh, understood it is based on time for reviewers, but perhaps CD Projekt Red gives out uh, review copies early. Could this still make the cut? Fran, this is a huge discussion last <laughs> year with Jedi Fallen Order, how that game pretty much landed on the cutoff. Uh, for yeah. game awards and in those nominations cyberpunk 2077 one of the biggest games of the year is going to be a likely like a critical dar darling yeah. you can't say for sure but if the i guess if i had the guess, biggest yeah like if i had to guess like that's going to be one of the biggest games of the year especially in terms of awards and all that stuff yeah what's your take on it coming out late november and how that that uh, bumps up with game awards yeah i mean number one i don't think they've announced right what they're going to do for 2020 and the rules so we don't know if they've figured out and responded to feedback but because of the way that it works it's like a bunch of different outlets and chosen voters there's a lot of moving parts you do inevitably have to get a cutoff date so i kind of understand how that works i think you hit the nail on the head which is like i think their their thing actually said when it's publicly available for consumption and i kind of understand some of the nuances there but like if they can just put it into many of these critics hands then you know i don't think it should matter you know, they just need to get it to them. Like, I mean, it's going to need to be like a month before the date, probably. So, yeah, I don't know. What what's what's your take? I do think that. Um, well, I'll wait till you go, and then I have something to say about. I, yeah, I, I think Jeff Keighley and the Game Awards have to like kind of keep their ear to the ground with this one because I know uh, it was reported earlier that re uh, reviewers were going to get this game weeks early, like weeks in advance. And so, like in terms of when reviewers are going to get the game, you know, I think they'll there will be time there to play and digest it, but. With Cyberpunk being as big of a game it is, like who knows how much time it's gonna take for people to to play through that game and be able to like, you know, sit with it and like have their thoughts and be able to like talk about it in a in a game of the year kind of sense by then. Um yeah. and so like I kinda think it's it's difficult because you don't wanna give a game special treatment because it's cyberpunk, but I do think it's on them to make sure Cyberpunk is able to get into the conversation because that is a game that is going that that will very likely be a part of those conversations in terms oh, of yeah. what people look at as game of the year or best RPG and in all these different things. Like that's a high, highly, highly anticipated game. And yeah. so, yeah, they're, they're kind of in between a rock and a hard place, I imagine. I assume though that like it being delayed this early gives them room to talk and figure out how they're going to approach the situation. And so I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't have worries too much that they're not going to figure it out. Uh, what was the the date last year? Was it like the twelfth or something like that? Or yeah, it was like the fourteenth. A or week something. before, but like meaning, given the thing again, they haven't. I don't think announced 
what that cutoff date is. They actually now know when this comes out. They could very easily, within a week or two, I'm sure, uh, manage to to hold some of the votes. And but it's all production, man, and it gets complicated. I, I wanted to say I think it's on. It's a tricky situation because yeah, you look at last year and like Fallen Order. Um, should have been a big part of that conversation. It was an amazing accomplishment, yeah. a new Star Wars game, Respawn, Shining, and it wasn't part of it. It's unfortunate because people don't care about Game Awards as much in the, the following year, and that's kind of my hot take. Like, I totally support and understand why you want the hype in December. It's it's very, very hard to do that objectively and get everybody to play all those games. Play Sekiro, play Fallen Order. You got this. So much comes out in such a short span of time that, just to be honest, I actually don't think Game Awards are not the Game Awards. The idea of Game Awards being in, like, December, it's for the audience wanting to consume that award as soon as possible in a way it kind of ruins and takes away from the in my personal opinion objectivity what you want to do is get a panel of people that give them all the time be like you have to play secure i don't care if it's your type of game but it's up for the running i need you to play it and then you know unfortunately though then we wouldn't get awards till like you know march 1st and nobody cares so it's it's a tough situation yeah. to be in but um i do think it's a it's a darn shame that you see what happens with Fallen Order. Is Fallen Order going to come up this year then? Is it going to be taken super seriously and get its time in the limelight when you got a new next-gen console coming out or multiple next-gen consoles? So I don't know. It's um, In other words, I feel like the whole thing needs some some thinking still. <laughs> Awards are super yeah. hard to do. In a, in a situation where Cyberpunk somehow doesn't get included in this year's Game Awards and it, and it then um, somehow folds in with next year's, I think that becomes a very interesting conversation on... What happens, especially if people, especially if people look at Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk with the same reference as Witcher Three, right? Like Witcher Three was a game that got a ton of game of the, game of the year awards. Yeah. Um, if Cyberpunk is still, you know, if 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 we look at twenty twenty one and Cyberpunk is still on top in that sort of way, like, does Cyberpunk become game of the year twenty twenty one for the game awards? And like, does that become a weird thing for everybody where everybody's like, all right, yeah, but that's kind of weak, right? This game came out yeah. last year. How's it game of the year twenty twenty one? It's such a weird yeah, thing. What do you, exactly, because the next-gen version is going to come out, and people might wait to play it on, you know, Series I mean, that's X true, or, too. And, but, but normally in those situations, it's it's just considered a release. It's not – normally it's not considered for an overall, right? It wouldn't be considered in 2021 because of that. So if it – anyway, it's tricky. Yeah. It's not as easy as it sounds. But I do, uh, simply put, agree with you. I really hope they just make room for it and it, given their – their credibility and uh, how good that team is at CD Projekt, like they're going to need to make room for it. Aiden Dean writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says, good morning, Blessing and Fran. This weekend, I decided I, I decided it would be a good idea to play 48 races in a row on Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is every single track. It took way longer than I thought it would, and I can't say I recommend it to anyone, but that's not really what this question is about. While doing this, I had a thought. What if Nintendo is working on Mario Kart Ultimate and is going to release a Mario Kart game with every track ever in a Mario Kart game remastered for the Switch? Don't you guys think that would be awesome? What do you what do you think are the chances of that ever happening? Thanks for all you guys do uh, and keep me entertained at work. Fran, you're the Mario Kart expert here. What are your thoughts wow. on Mario Kart Ultimate? I don't know if I'm an expert anymore. Um, first of all, this this person might have spent anywhere from 8 to 15 hours doing this is what I'm thinking. But I don't know. That's a lot of time to be playing Mario Kart. Actually, wait. If it was straight in a row. Anyway, um, do I think That's they're making like an ultimate ultimate um, with everything? I think it's possible. I think Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is like the Mario Kart to play and to own because it is so awesome to to play your favorite tracks. Um, it was so well done. So actually, I don't know. It, it, it's the first time I thought about it. The reason I'm hesitating is because – there's a reason why all the levels didn't make it into Deluxe. You know, I think, I don't know that every level deserves to be in there, if that's the idea, but I could see one maybe with more. Um, and my last thing I'd say about it is, like, we we do need a bunch of awesome new tracks. Like, Deluxe was cool, but I think we need to take Mario Kart into the next the next stage, if you will. And uh, it's going to need a lot of new levels and stuff for us to to love. So, if a game like that's that not were, enough. If a game like that were to come out, friend, what, what do you think you would score it? <laughs> Barrett, I know what you're trying to do. I would never, ever think about scoring a game unless I've actually played it with, for a significant amount of time. But yes, probably a 7-9. I'm tired now enough it's time. to say it. 
Now it's, Fran is like, fuck it. I'm going to tell you guys the truth. You're right. Everybody wants to hear me say 7.9. 7. 7.9. I'm broke fuck down. Fuck it. Yep. Now it's time for countoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong. Nanobiologist writes in and says, breaking news, Ghost of, Ghost of Tsushima has gone gold. Uh, it was announced on Sucker Punch's Twitter. So congratulations, Ghost yeah. of Tsushima. It's gone gold. Nanobiologist also says, uh, the Rocksteady rumor regarding Suicide Squad started from a marketing link leak. Uh, this was reported April 17th, 2019. Uh, Nanobiologist also says Clancy Brown was not in the original battle for Bikini Bottom. Um, Ignacio, Ignacio Rojas says, according to IMDb, the same actor voices Mr. Krabs on both battle for Bikini Bottom games. Hmm. Uh, Nanobiologist says, Fran said that the Mii Fighter outfits mean they won't, be, they won't become characters, but that's not true. Inkling so usually and Pay Rule uh, were, were Mii Fighters were me fighter costumes in Smash Brothers 3DS and Wii U, and they're now fighters. Now, boss, I'm you're wronging, you're wrong. Did, um, what me fighters don't become fighters in the same game, is what that's saying. exactly it. Thank you. That's what I was, yeah, that's what Tim enlightened me on. When it's in the same game, it's very, it hasn't happened yet, and it's very unlikely. So. Yes, Kebab but says nice you, can ar- you can already play 3D modeled solitaire in 50, 51 worldwide classics on Switch, which I was actually gonna say, I thought I said that, but maybe I didn't finish my sentence. Uh, And Bowser says solitaire with physical cards is a real thing. It makes it easy to cheat if you get stuck. We know it's a real thing. I'm saying, like, who's who's trying to play solitaire in real life is what I'm saying. Not me. People Not on me. like boats and they're stranded out at sea. Laura <laughs> Pone says November 15th, 2019 was last year's cutoff for the game awards. Um, and then lastly, Kebab says the reason why the VO is the same is because uh Rehydrated uses the same audio files from the PS2 version. And let me tell you, as somebody who's playing. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Those uh, mm. that audio sounds kind of old. Interesting. Um, just it, it, the quality. It makes sense. I, I I couldn't tell, but there were moments where I was like, oh, like this specific like sound bite sounds weird, or like it, it, it'll like be noticeable noticeable to me like every once in a while. So um, that's not super surprising to to learn, but that's interesting. That is interesting. Uh, let me tell you the host for this week. Uh, Tuesday, it's me and Tim. Wednesday, Greg and Gary. Thursday, Greg and me. And then Friday is Greg and Tim. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily, uh, each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. Fran, where can people find you if they want to check out some of what you're doing on a daily basis? I've streamed for 105 days in a row. That wasn't the plan. I was supposed to take a break. But anyway, we're still doing it. Twitch TV slash FM3 underscore. I've seen a lot of best friends over there. So thanks, everybody, for coming by. And support go give Fran a follow. Uh, we have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kind of funny games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily. <laughs>